You're listening to Living Healthy Longer by the Columbine Health System Center for Healthy Aging. One story comes from my work as a dance artist and seeing the beauty and the magic of creating dances um, and that process of doing that with other teaching artists and performers, um, but also seeing how that can connect and relate to the audience. And so I've always been drawn to that audience connection, and I think that's what's led me to the work that I'm doing now is, is the power of the arts and the power of moving our bodies together and, and knowing our own bodies in a sense of um, that self-awareness and being able to then bring that into a relationship with other people, whether they're movers and dancers um, or whether they're people that are aging and, and um, challenged with a, uh, something like Parkinson's. And the second part of that story is that has to do with my mom, who lived with advanced dementia for many years. And so much of what my work, um, as it was evolving about about that time, was uh, kind of brought to um, brought to that time with my mom. And it was so wonderful to just be with her in a fun way, in in a way that was less about um, it was less predictable. It was less about what we needed to do. Um, what was on the docket for the day, and just being together and being playful and listening to music and dancing together and and realizing that that was the message and the and the kind of the the learning through um, dementia was to um, just be in the moment. And so that's really that's really informed a lot of the way that I, I work with people now. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Living Healthy Longer podcast. We have been taking a break this past fall to work on other projects, but we're happy to be back and dropping new episodes every other Monday starting today. Today's conversation is with dance instructor Lisa Morgan from CSU School of Music, Theater, and Dance. Lisa is a faculty affiliate of the Center for Healthy Aging, and she uses the center to host Moving Through Parkinson's, a dance class for people living with Parkinson's disease who want to improve balance and coordination while combating stiffness and rigidity. Today we're discussing how dance can bring people together, how it feels physically and emotionally to connect with others through the art of dance. Lisa shares some of the cognitive benefits of movement through dance and also provides resources to find a dance class here in Fort Collins if you're interested. I hope you enjoy. I'm your host, Hannah Hallisker, and this is Living Healthy Longer, a podcast from the Columbine Health System Center for Healthy Aging at Colorado State University. How was your Thanksgiving? <laughs> Thank you for starting casually. Um, it was great. So I've never heard the term dance artist before. Mm. 
So I'm curious, I'm going to tie that in. If you can just tell us how you came to be a dance instructor at CSU, how you came to be working with these particular audiences that you work with, and also what a dance artist is. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, dance is in the arts, right? Um, and so a dance artist is somebody who works in the field of dance, whether it's in the creation of dances as a choreographer or whether it's um, in teaching um, and and also as as therapy. The field of, of dance is, is vast and diverse, and I think most people don't necessarily know that, um, have certain interpretations about, oh, you're a dancer, and it's interesting to to see on people's expression of their faces what what that might mean or what they might interpret that as. Um, as as I moved through my career and my passion, um, you know, it really started as as that um, a passion and something to learn when I was young. Um, but as I moved through school and realized it was something that I I really wanted to learn more about. I wanted to train to be a better mover, a better dancer, be more technically capable, um, to perform more at a high level, um, to work with different kinds of artists that work with dance, whether it's music and composers or um, set designers or um, visual artists in different ways. Um, it just expanded my awareness and, and just loved loved it wanted to do as as much as I could um I when I came to CSU over 20 years ago um I worked in the in the program as a as a instructor mostly um we have a very diverse um offering in terms of of the different kinds of of classes and courses that we offer to students and I have dabbled in all of those um but as I've come to this point in my career I've really kind of distilled down those those the my skill set to really be focused on pedagogy or or teaching our students how to be a teacher of dance and how to um bring the art of dance and the craft of dance to many different kinds of audiences and ages and abilities, so it's um, it's it, it's been nice to to focus just on that. Yeah. yeah, and I was reading your bio to prepare today, and it says that you like to work mostly with children and older adults. Is that correct? <laughs> yes, it's I, it's I, like I mean, opposite sides of the lifespan, which right, I think is cool. <laughs> right, and I found so so much um, similarity. And common ground. Yeah. In when we come back to those fundamental patterns, it's it's beautiful to see. It's been a great place to to work from. So I've I've really enjoyed seeing that crossover and that common common ground. Yeah. Yeah. I know when we were preparing for this conversation, there was an important disclaimer that you wanted to make about the work that you do, which is it's not therapy. I'm framing this conversation thinking of all the benefits of dance. So in my mind, immediately, I'm like, okay, dance therapy. But you want to clarify that point. Yeah, thank you. I, I really, I'm not a dance therapist. And I'm, I'm very um, thankful that there is dance therapy out there. And more and more of our 
um, dance majors here at CSU are choosing to go study dance therapy, but I am not a dance therapist. At the same time, I truly believe in movement as therapy. Movement can be an, a beautiful form of therapy and support um, in so many different ways. So yeah, I just wanted to, to make sure to that I am not a dance therapist. I wish, I wish that I were. Um, I wish I had that training. I wish I had another life to do a lot of different things. But, um, but I, I do believe that I am a, um, I specialize in, in movement as therapy. Okay. So it makes me think about moving through Parkinson's. And so I'd love to have, like, expand that clarification for you to tell us about moving through Parkinson's and how is it not therapy? Because I view it mm-hmm. completely like these people are benefiting by the movement of their bodies. And so tell us about that, how you came to be an instructor for it and, and kind of what your classes are like. Okay. Um, and I, you know, I would, I should say that it is, it is therapeutic for them. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and that is also where, as I'm planning and interacting with, with my participants, I think of it as therapy for sure. Yeah. Um, I think therapy is a, is a broad, a, a broad term for sure. And it, it can be the therapy as right. Or, um, but it's not a title necessarily. Um, so I volunteered with the music therapy program about eight years ago, nine years ago, and was so enthralled with um, the the study of, of music therapy and how music could support, um, whether it was physical therapy or um, speech therapy, um, different realms that were helping people with, um, whether it was Parkinson's or people who had 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 a stroke or other other neuro challenges, movement disorders. And I was so drawn to it and realized that um, I wanted to see how we could do this for people who had more movement capability. Most of what we, the, the groups that we were working with, they were chair bound, um, pretty limited in their movement. It was powerful and amazing, but I felt like we, we could do more with um, or, or offer it to a, a wider audience. Um, and so we started a, a, a dance program, um, brought it into the dance program, and, and I wasn't able to work with music therapists right away, um, but we have now found ways to collaborate, and it's, it's really powerful. So not only am I um, bringing in music to my classes, but... Um, also, the music therapy program now brings movement into their um, into their coursework even more as well. So we have a really nice collaboration that happens. And in the midst of all of that, I started moving through Parkinson's, and um, it's just grown from there. Yeah. So tell us what your classes are like. What are the fundamentals of moving through Parkinson's? So one thing that I... I I feel like I've come to, um, in terms of the structure of the class and sort of the, the themes, I guess is a good way, is, is again back to that fundamental structure of how we look at movement, our movement language. And we can break it down as simply as space, time, energy, 
and body. And so I use those principles to develop the class sessions with with our participants. And the space is simply how we are moving through space, how we sense where we are in space, the different shapes that we can make, the different steps that we take, how long are our steps, what's the distance between each stride, um, are we balanced on both sides of the body, are both of our arms swinging in action, are we balanced um, one side of the body to the other, um, timing, what's the rhythm of our gait, what's the rhythm of our steps, what's the rhythm of our breath. Are we tuning in to the internal rhythms as much as the external rhythm? And that's a lot where the music comes in also. Um, and the energy piece is the, how does it feel? Not only how does it feel to sit or stand or to walk or freeze, but also just how does it feel emotionally? How does it feel to connect with others? How does it feel to tell my story about my struggles with Parkinson's and hearing other people's, you know, shared stories? Um, how does it feel to be in community? And so, and then the body is the is obviously the the point where we we're all in our bodies and we're trying to um, face challenges that are coming our way and it may be that our back hurts or our hands are not doing what we need them to do um, or we've had to have a surgery and we're doing rehabilitation and so the muscle structure is not there yet or our strength or our coordination so all of those pieces space time energy body really um, there it's a it's a simple foundational structure that um, seems to help for me to, to build our classes and also for our students or participants to step into that space and have some common language, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. No, no. It, it's a beautiful explanation, I feel like, of dancing. I love all the different elements that you've incorporated. What have you seen over 20 years being a dance instructor mm -hmm. and now working with, you know, older adults with movement disorders what are the benefits of dancing for them? Mm. And, and especially I'm thinking participants that have come, you know, week after week. What kind of changes do you notice with them? Mm. Yeah, that's a good, a good question. I think, the, the, again, the power of the arts, right, is really um, dance is, a, is very visceral. And, and it's also very... Um, historical, right? It's very, um, it can be very much about ritual. It can be very much about um, celebration um, across cultures. It transcends language. So it's, it's a beautiful thing, right? And it just, we feel better when we're moving our bodies. We, um, we can dance with other people. We can dance in the shower by ourselves, right? So I, I think the word, I, I tend to not use the word dance because I think people immediately say, ah, I can't dance. I don't know how to dance. That's not for me. Yeah. So I use more the, mov the, the movement um, vocabulary. But when we're moving together, it's dancing. Mm 
Mm -hmm. right? We're connecting, we're creating shapes together, we're moving in sync in time with each other. We work with props, we work with, um, with different kinds of music, music from all over the world. So anytime we're connecting, right, or, um, or collaborating together, um, we're moving and dancing. So mm -hmm. I think the, that's, I think the, the, to answer your first question, I feel like the, the, the dance world can be very narrow and it also can be incredibly universal. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the joy that I get so much from this work is that we're really just in relationship with each other. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that is dancing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And now remind me the last the Part participants that come continually. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the, unfortunately the progression of Parkinson's is, um, it's tough mm -hmm. and there is a, a pretty significant decline that happens, um, all, over the time that I have seen, um, seen people that come to my program. When we were in person before COVID, we, I would see huge uh, progress. Much of that was, was also tied to the social aspect and coming together as a group, um, the social and emotional uh, components of the work. It would, it would bring people out of their shell. Um, it would allow them to make mistakes and to, quote unquote, fall and recover um, with each other and with themselves. So I would see great strides um, and improvements, whether it was strength, coordination, um, repeated patterns of movement, um, being more aware of where they were in space and that kind of thing. Since COVID, it's, it's been more difficult, right? We've continued classes throughout COVID, but of course we're all on, online. We were, now some of us are back in person yes. and we do online and uh, hybrid, online and in person. And, but another big piece of Parkinson's or um, many of these uh, challenges that come with aging comes isolation and a sense of feeling um, feeling alone, feeling afraid to go out, afraid to interact with others, um, and that sense of safety. So that has really impacted our, our program. Um, but it's also, I think, um, the classes have brought a, a great sense of um, people love to come when they can. Mm-hmm. Now, I understand that when you started moving through Parkinson's, you really didn't know a ton about the brain and how the brain works. So can you take me through the learning opportunity and maybe share with us some of the learnings that you now incorporate into your dance classes? Mm, thank you for asking about that. When I got it involved, I was also starting to learn more myself about the brain and how the brain and the physical body, the physical movement um, development uh, are, are connected. And it's, it's been amazing to um, enter into 
tying those pieces together. So another one of my mentors um, is a is also a dance artist and an educator. Her name is Anne Green Gilbert, and she um, came up with a wonderful piece called um, the Brain Dance. Very simple concept, but it's really it's really based around how we develop from infancy. Um, and how the brain develops and how our, our bodies, um, the physical bodies, develop. And it's very much tied into the different parts of the brain, and which relates to what we spoke about before, sort of our spatial awareness, um, our tying into how our body is balanced, um, different sides of the body, where we are in space, um, and also that emotional tying into the, you know, the the midbrain, um, memory, emotions, um, and also um, our lower brain, how, how we react, um, how we can tune into those inherent knowings. Um, and then that more um, higher level cognitive thinking, um, planning, um, having opinions about things. Um, and so her her pattern, the simple eight patterns um, of the brain dance, I have incorporated into every single class that I teach now. It's, it's very broad, um, but it touches on all of those um, components. And they, they are really, they're patterns of movement that, that we, that we go through as we're navigating and learning about the world. Um, and so sometimes as we, um, maybe it's, it's younger children who are having, um, behavioral disorders, or, um, maybe it's a, we're coming, we're rehabilitating from a stroke. Um, if we can re-pattern or experience those patterns, um, we can, it helps us to, to regain that control and, and that, um, awareness in our body to be able to um, function better. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's really inspired me to do more and more in the neuro realm. And even one of my students who, or I've had a couple different students who have been studying in that, in that realm. And, um, you know, one of the, the pieces that we, that I've learned about from my students is how mirror neurons work. And we use those, we use those, that concept in movement all the time in mirroring each other and following that movement and, and to learn more about actually what's happening in the brain when we are standing face-to-face -to, -face to each other and following movements, having a leader and a follower. Um, and again, that, I think this is a good example for when we are looking at working with children and then we're working with the aging population that's that's a realm that's very um, very familiar to both, and we're, you know, when when kids are 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 doing that, they're they're establishing some of those neural pathways when they're little, and and then when we do the same kinds of ideas and sort of wake up those mirror neurons in with the aging population, we're reestablishing some of those neural pathways. And it's, yes, you can see, you can see it happening. And so the collaboration with, with different people that come, that are a part of, that are affiliated with the Center on Healthy Aging is so inspiring and exciting because there are, there are a lot of common areas. We just come at it in a different way. 
Mm-hmm. And it's exciting to me at this time in my career to be able to to have those kind of collaborative opportunities. Yes. Yeah. We've heard time and again about the importance of learning with age, always trying to pick up a new skill or a new hobby because of those neuropathways that you're talking about. That yeah. it's, it's like exercise for your brain, just yes. developing new neuropathways or finding an old one that you haven't used in a right. while. And that's what keeps you kind of, I don't know, more in check as you get older. Yes, it's so it's so true. And I like to think of the the brain as this I mean, it's such a complex organ in our body, and yes. there's so many undiscovered pathways, just just like our world and our, our the planet Earth. And so, um, I love to to find all of those different ways to, um, yeah, it's that it's that neuroplasticity, right? It's, it's that ways to find new pathways, but also to um, exercise old ones. That it's like walking down an old pathway that. Yeah. used to be a favorite way and um, for some reason whether it's a, um, a an accident that has happened or um, you know something like Parkinson's that has has come in and that and um, has has stopped different things from from functioning in the brain the way they should um, it's it's nice to kind of find a different way a different road a different route um, yeah. to reestablishing that yeah yeah. The other thing that your work is making me think about is how, you know, in exercise science or, I don't know, you go to your gym, you're trying to just be healthier in general in your life. I feel like one of the things you always hear is to find a type of movement that works for you and to find a type of movement that you actually enjoy because then you'll be more likely to keep up with it if you're actually having fun. And I mean, how much fun is dancing (laughs) and getting to have music in the room and and having an instructor that can teach you choreography through things. And that's such a a great way that people can incorporate smaller movements that could, you know, develop as time goes on. Yeah. And I think you're speaking to uh, an important component about the a lot of the research around um, movement and Parkinson's is is. You know, when you when you say the word exercise, you know, sometimes it's just like, oh, you know, yes. it's hard to do that. But um, but what I stress is really finding that thing that you love to do. Yes. Right. It's walking or it's it's hiking. It's getting outside. It's walking the dog. It's playing with your with your kids or your grandkids or finding somebody else who's in the same boat as you are with uh, living with Parkinson's and and find something fun to do with them um biking what, whatever it is that you enjoyed doing mm-hmm. try that's that's what i i encourage people to do the if you love to dance all the better mm-hmm. yeah it's like we have to trick ourselves <laughs> we have to yeah. trick our brains into into doing the things that are good for us sometimes right, <laughs> right. right. yes yeah what would you say to the person listening who is thinking, I would love to take a dance class with Lisa Morgan, but I'm not diagnosed with Parkinson's? Ooh. Well, I would say that I've been, over the years, I have you know, taught many different classes to a lot of different populations. And some of my most favorite have been to um, adult classes for the non-dancer or somebody that loves to move and dance. And um, 
I haven't done that in a while, and I would love to do that again. Um, if there, I would also encourage people that we do have a community dance class that happens over in the dance program at the University Center for the Arts. It's um, there; they happen on Saturdays throughout the semester, and um, you can find those on our website. And we have various different, whether it's the dance faculty that come in and teach the classes or we do have some outside people. We had somebody come in and teach a salsa class um, so or, or hip-hop or a ballet class. Um, it's an opportunity to just come. Um, the classes are free, and we love to have you come and move. Um, but if you are interested, I've thought about, you know, starting another a movement class. Maybe Hannah will come. <laughs> yes. So... If you're a person living with Parkinson's, um, there are support groups. Um, most, mostly, I think, if you, if you are listening to this, you probably know about the Parkinson's support group of Larimer County. Um, they do have a website. They meet once a month at the, um, at the Senior Center. Um, I also work with Parkinson's Association of the Rockies. Um, they are not so much local, but regional, um, but many, many resources available through them. And um, I would also just say if, if dance is exciting and fun to you, there's Friends of Traditional Dance. Um, there's, um, there are many dance organizations that, that teach adult classes, um, the, even through the city. There's a lot of wonderful classes. Um, and then there's just a lot of classes that are specifically for people living with Parkinson's. Um, the Aspen Club, um, yeah, the Senior Center, lots, lots of places. So now's time for our last question that I ask everybody Ooh. who comes on the show this season. And I'm very curious for your answer. Um, that is, what is makes you most excited for the future of aging studies from your perspective as someone in dance? It's mm, a great question. I, the collaboration piece is, is huge for me. And I also feel like that's where we can learn the most from each other and also can present the most um, effective and far-reaching work um, to the populations that benefit from the work. Um, and I think in terms of bringing the arts into the science world, it's, it's the collaboration of the arts and sciences that gets me the most excited. It's amazing to have, even in the music therapy world, because the, it can be very scientific and when there's those little light bulbs that go off and the magic happens with music and movement and and then what's happening neurologically in some of these participants that are that are dealing with parkinson's or living with parkinson's those moments are are what really excite me to move forward and to create more collaborative experiences for people um I think I, I, I do want to give a shout out to the center here on healthy aging. I've, I've been involved since it opened. Um, Lisa Youngblade, who was um, visionary in, in making this happen, and, and Dr. Earhart, all of you here have been so open to this program and, and making space for the classes, and that's been huge and um, really 
given a boost to the program in, in terms of that home. Um, I also uh, had the opportunity to work with the music therapy program and haven't necessarily brought that in as much um, to the conversation. And I, I just, it, it speaks to the collaboration. It's it's such a key in, I think, in any kind of education program or research program that there are incredible people doing incredible things all over the place. And the center offers a place for that to come together. And I really just um, am so honored to be a part of it and appreciate being a part of it. I do also want to just speak about the um, the students. And I, I love having um, access to and offering a place for students to come and learn more about different ways to apply their study of dance or music therapy. So it's it's really, it's it's been a lovely place to build those partnerships and, and have those collaborations. So mm-hmm. thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, we're excited to have you. Well, Lisa, thank you so much. You're, you're our first in-person guest. I need to make sure Yay. that we include that. That is a, a monumental occasion for this podcast after... Wow two years of recording virtually recording remotely because of a pandemic we're finally coming back in person so thank you so much for coming here today for being here with me experimenting with this equipment with me (laughs) and then just sharing your stories it's it's always nice to hear your stories so thank you so much thank you hannah and i i was so excited to do a podcast with you so i'm i'm excited to be in person and i really appreciate your your questions and your good insight Thank you for listening to this episode of Living Healthy Longer, a podcast from the Center for Healthy Aging at CSU. Remember to follow us on social media at CSU Healthy Aging and visit our website at healthyaging.colostate.edu. We will see you next time.